Hey guys, it's Brittany. Welcome to another episode of the All My Favorite People podcast, where we have long form conversations and hear stories from people who are bringing truth, inspiration, and encouragement into the world. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Here we go. Hey guys, it's Brittany Jones. Welcome to another episode of the All My Favorite People podcast. Today with me, I have my new friend, Brian Clutter. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, thank you for having me on and just uh, giving me the opportunity to speak to you and to, to speak to all of your listeners. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Um, I'm going to give a little backstory and then we'll jump in. I'll let you tell your story. Um, but okay. Brian and I uh, actually met through his wife. She and I met at an event at our church for moms and um, she and I connected immediately. Little did I know that she's married to Brian, who also has a podcast that talks about um, just Christ and culture and kind of politics and all of that. So of course, I'm like, um, excuse me, could you please introduce me to your husband um, so that we could talk and have this conversation that we're having today. So super excited to have you on another local Christian who is caring and paying attention to what's going on in the world. Um, so thank you, Brian, for being here. And um, we're going to jump right in. I'm going to let you share with my listeners uh, a little bit about yourself, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk politics. Sure. So I won't, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in, I guess, just starting with, I guess, Orlando. So obviously, we both live in Orlando. We have a lot of things in common, you and I. Uh, we have Orlando Church and podcasters, right? We're like a like a tight-knit group here, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I moved down to Orlando, gosh, now it's 10 years ago, just hit like the 10-year mark. Uh, met my wife, Carrie, down here, which you, you know, already talked about how y'all met at church. Um, been working in the corporate world, but ever since 2016, that's like when I really got into following politics. I felt like that election was a pivotal one because I felt if Hillary Clinton was to win that election, regardless, like before the nominees were not before like Trump was even the Republican nominee, like I just felt if anyone on the dip from the Democrat party was to win that election, then that was probably going to be the last election for decades. And I don't think that's hyperbole (laughs) Um, until a Republican or anyone from, you know, a different party was going, would win. Uh, So I really got into politics at that time. Um, And my, it wasn't well thought out, but I thought, oh, well, you know, like, I'll join Twitter then. I, I waited that long to join Twitter. Um, join Twitter, like that was my way, that was my voice to put out there to the world. Um, it didn't go so well. Like I, I wasn't into like any algorithms or trying to follow and grow anything like that. But over time, I, I didn't gain a lot of a lot of followers and all that kind of stuff. So then I got to thinking, well, how else can I put my voice out there and make it more, more of my own and more, I guess. Uh, not documented, but just like a record of it, right? So I started thinking, okay, well, how about a podcast? And I probably put off the whole podcast idea for about a year. And then May of last year is when is when it started. So I'm coming up on, I guess, almost 10 full months now, do a weekly episode. And, and yeah, like you mentioned in the in the intro, which you gave me a little bit too much praise, I think, but thank you. (laughs) I wanted to focus on on things to me that I think are related. So I felt like that our politics, like politics were slipping and politics are important because culture is important and our faith is important because faith, I believe, influences our culture, 
and then our culture influences our politics. Yeah. So a lot of the things I talk about on my podcast are are all connected in that way. Um, and, and that just kind of drives the conversation. Sometimes I'll do like a, a trending topic and other times it'll just be something cultural or, or faith-based from our Christian faith and try to tie all of that in together ultimately to, to politics because politics in our system, as we say or see, uh, kind of like sets the rules for the game. Yeah. Well, that's been, it's funny that you say that. I, I felt God saying to me, like, you're passionate about this be a voice. And then I sat for a year. It was like, that seems scary. People will have opinions that I don't like coming back at me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I had to work through that. And then that's when the podcast kind of blossomed and and really came to be. It was really about me kind of getting over my fear of um, backlash, I guess, if you will. And I think there is this idea in Christian circles in churches that you know, we leave politics out. We let politics be politics and the church is the church. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I like you really see it as more of, you know, one can influence the other. And unfortunately I think, um, our culture has influenced the church at a much greater scale in the last couple of years than maybe the church has influenced our culture. And also like you, it wasn't until 2016 that I started paying attention to politics. I, I was, I think about it now and I wonder like, is it just that I was getting older and I have kids and I'm, you know, starting to care and starting to really pay attention. Um, it's infected, it's affecting our bottom line financially as a family and just things like that. Or was it that, you know, here's this person like Trump who was a total outsider who, you know, I was never like a Trump fan per se, uh, prior Mm -hmm. to him running for office. But I remember like yesterday getting in the truck, I had all my family with me, we're heading down to the Springs. And I go, did you guys see that Trump's going to run for office? And like, we had mixed feelings already in the, in the Mm -hmm. car, um, because we didn't know what, what that would look like. But, um, pros and cons of Trump, we could go on probably for an hour, just about that. However, I think him pulling people like you and me into the conversation is so important. And I think it gave us a voice. Um, And and at least for me, it helped me realize that um, there are more conservatives out there than the media or our culture would ever, you know, allow us to see really. What Mm -hmm. for you, um, what was kind of the the start of the podcast as far as like, what was the kind of the catalyst? Was there like a, a topic or it was just like, you were ready to have these conversations. So it wasn't some, it wasn't a specific topic. I think I was just finally ready to, to put myself out there even more than just the sounding off I was doing on, on Twitter. So like the podcast now is my passion project. I still work full time and everything. Um, we'll see what the future holds, but yeah, it was just, I felt like I felt like the the grip that conservatives have and, and Christians have like in this world and in the political world was slipping. Um, and I felt like not to sound, not to sound like I have a, a big ego or anything, but I felt like a lot of the ideas and thoughts and ways I thought think through different things, certain topics, certain issues, I felt, I feel like they're 
they're good and should be heard. Um, obviously, discussion is one way to to grow and make change. So, and also, how, I guess my thought was, how can I sit here and maybe complain or want to advocate for something and not, I guess, be more involved in in trying to accomplish those those things that I'm advocating for or or arguing against. And I felt like the podcast was probably the best way for me to be able to do that because there's there's an easy record, right? And it's it's so simple nowadays with technology just to to create one. <laughs> um, all you have to do is just press record basically and and find a host site and and that's about it. Yeah. So if anyone wanted to know where I stand, I mean they can go back and and listen to a podcast whether or listen or watch. Um, and yeah, I just wanted I just wanted to be more, I guess, in the, in the fight, so to speak. And the podcast was the way I've chosen to do that. Yeah. Like make it actionable. I say that all the time. Like, again, you know, there's so many similarities here because I found myself too, like keyboard warrior a little bit and, and realizing like keyboard warrior is great to a point. And then you have mm-hmm. to kind of put some action behind all of this, all of this frantic, you know, typing that that I would find myself doing. But your podcast is called Counter Thought. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to know where you got your name, kind of what your thought process was behind that as well. So my podcast, when it started back in May of last year, it's like its tagline or or motto was um, a podcast like dedicated to counter thoughts about mainstream media, politics and culture and the impact on our nation. Well, that has since changed over the past couple of weeks. I've now changed it to a, like a podcast dedicated to conserving American freedom, culture, and values, because I feel like that's more true to what I'm talking about um, and also allows me to talk about probably a little wider range of topics that fall within the under the umbrellas or the within the pillars of culture, values, and politics. So I was just noticing, and it's hard not to notice, right, but that when it comes to conservative media, I mean, that's like the popular term, right, or non, non-legacy non mainstream media, like that is small. I think the percentage is like 5, 5% is, is dedicated to that. So I wanted to bolster that. Um, and one of the ways in which I felt to do that was to be just go directly to the opposition, so to speak, um, and, and share my counter thoughts, which would be like my conservative thoughts regarding all of these other topics that 95% of the media are talking about and only offer, you know, one perspective. That's awesome. And that's so needed. I mean, I was one of my favorite people to follow when I was first getting into all of this was Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire. Oh, I love him. And I think that's, I I was actually thinking about it this morning because I had a situation over the weekend where I was just saying the truth of God's word to people. Again, it was keyboard warrior moment. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I got, I got into it over the weekend, but all I was saying is the truth of God's word. Like I wasn't, there was no opinion in there. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, I felt like a little Ben Shapiro in the sense of like, (laughs) no, you're not going to push me around. You're not going to make me feel bad for for standing on the truth of God's word. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I've been so inspired by people like him who just have a boldness and are really like unwilling to compromise that, that, um, their faith in the middle of dealing with politics and all the things that come with that. But I love mm-hmm. that because 
like you said, it's such a small percentage um, that's actually like giving any kind of voice to conservatives um, when it comes to current events. And that's something that I definitely wanted to talk about because your podcast does focus more heavily, I think, on like like actual current event topics. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I noticed this week, you were talking about um, trans people in women's sports. Um, You were talking about the Ukraine and Russia um, ordeal that's going on right now. And so even though I'm over here paying attention to a lot of that, I don't, for me, that's not necessarily the focus of my podcast. And I think that's what's so great about podcasting in general is that you know, you felt called to do it this way and I felt called to do it this way. And yet we're both speaking maybe to the similar audiences. Um, and so that's another reason why I wanted to have you on is because I'm like, I don't do that, but he does that. And I like watching what he's doing. So right. um, talk to us a little bit about current events. Um, and the other thing that I, I definitely wanted, we'll go to current events here in a minute. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. Separation right. of church and state. Um, okay. We hear this a lot, um, especially now. I think the left has almost like hijacked this term and turned it into something that it didn't mean when it was originally, you know, intended the way that it was originally intended. Now it seems that it means keep your faith out of my politics, keep your God to yourself, and don't uh, don't bring that into the political atmosphere. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I have a feeling we agree, but what are your thoughts on that? And and what have you seen uh, dealing more from the side of like just politics kind of all the time? Yeah, and I, I think I actually do have a surprise for you and we'll get to that in a second if you're willing to play along. But um, so I, I grew up Christian home, saved, baptized when I was a young boy, like I believe it was eight years old. At least that's what I tell myself and tell, tell other people. So eight years old. Um, and yeah, like I grew up in the nineties, right? Like I'm on the older millennial side. I'm not a younger millennial, but generation Y. And the arguments I guess I've heard for like the arguments you hear, at least that I heard growing up was that you know, like we, the country was founded on, on Christian principles. And then you say, people say, oh, no, that's not true. And, and then, you know, you look at the money and stuff. It's like, in God, we trust. And, and all of these things, like the Ten Commandments, I think were once in the, the, in the Supreme Court building or something like that. And, and all these different topics. So it's like hard to deny, you know, that there was truly a separation or why there should be a separation of church and state. And me as a Christian, I would love for everyone to be a Christian. So Brittany, if you'll play along with me, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay, I and love I think, that. I think you're <laughs> a little more in tune to this with, with like the, the the focus of of what you do for your podcast and also like in our community here in Orlando and, and within the state of Florida. Those who say that we need to keep God in our country, and we'll say God also means Jesus. Is that because we're only advocating for Jesus, for Christianity, or are we also open to other religions such as Judaism or, or Islam? Like I know when my parents were growing up, I believe they've told me, you know, you could say prayers in, in school. Right. And I think a lot of those prayers were probably of the Christian variety, Christian sure. faith. So are we advocating for that to be in place today? as long as it's 
you know, based on or coming from Christianity, or are we advocating that, hey, if the teacher or the principal of a school or maybe the superintendent was a different religion, let's say Judaism or Islam, would we also support this from a religion in government if it was a religion other than Christianity? I think it's hard to say because I think you and I both know there are all types of Christians that believe all types of things out there. So blanket mm-hmm. statement, it's hard to say, but I would say as like a conservative Christian, um, I, I personally am very, I consider myself to be very open-minded. So to me, what I feel like the basis of that separation of church and state, where the reason that that felt important at that time was um, because again, like we're based on freedom of religion, like our country, people literally Mm -hmm. came to this country so that they could serve God. Um, And what that's morphed into obviously over the last you know, hundreds of years is more of a freedom of all religions. Um, so me personally, I, I stand more so with the constitution in the sense that all religions can be, um, can be practiced, but as far as like government is concerned to your point, I mean, I was just in the Florida Capitol building and the beginning of our Florida, um, constitution is, I mean, it's got God and it's got it all there. I mean, it talks right. about God and how God is the the source and the center and, and the foundation really of even our government. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know that I'm answering your question, maybe, right? Or, or yeah. well, but that's kind of my two cents is that um, it seemed to me when, when that was passed as far as kind of separating specifically in our school systems, like religion away from education. Um, I, I truly believe that's a huge disservice to our education system. I think um, I'm a big fan of Dennis Prager and I've read a lot of his commentary, his Jewish commentary um, on Torah. And one of the things that he brings up that, that totally resonates with me and, and I, and I think is important for people to maybe consider is that if you go back thousands of years, our moral fiber is built on, uh, on God, right? Like mm-hmm. a relationship with God. So it's not even so much about Christian, Jewish, Islamic faith. It's about having a moral compass and using the word of God as our baseline for morality. And obviously that has gone really askew in the last even 10 years. I mean, my, my son is 18, my oldest and my middle is 12. And my, my oldest looked at my, my middle son the other day and and said to him, it's even so different than when I was your age. And that cracked me up and it's true. So what are your thoughts on, on that, on my, my potentially terrible answer? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um so i i guess i struggle i struggle with it because like i like i said i i want everyone to to be a christian i can see the benefit of there being a separation of church and state especially when we advocate for religious freedom um and and not discriminating against anyone based on their religion and just not in like keeping everything separate so you're not 
muddying up the waters or anything like that. Um, but on the on the the same like in the same breath though I I see and want Christianity to be at the forefront of basically everything that that is put forth whether like from our government and our school system um, from our local leaders and, and everything. So it I guess it's like this this struggle that I'm going through at least like a, a, do I think with my my heart or do I think with my mind I, like I'm not a lawyer or anything you know like trying to like make some hardline stance of like you know this is a this is a business legal decision or something like that so I would I guess my personal stance is as it stands now would be like I want Christianity to be in in everything you know Jesus Christ is my lord and savior I believe he is the king of kings lord of lords I want him to be everyone's savior king of king lord of lords and everything but i can see from someone who maybe is not a christian how they maybe feel like they don't have the freedom that they are said that they're given if the government is adopting the christian faith as the like i guess wink wink nudge nudge, nudge of <laughs> the official religion of of the united states of america so mm-hmm. i don't know I'm, i guess i'm a little torn between being like my emotions from being a fellow Christian or, and versus trying to be by the book lawyer, even though I'm not a lawyer. Like I can, I guess I see both arguments, but I know for sure on a personal level, I would want everyone to be a Christian. And I do agree with what you said that like our morals and everything, our values, right and wrong and, and good and bad and, and all of those things stems from Christianity. So I think that's hard to deny. And I just, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love that we're having this conversation because I think that's where a lot of people are. I mean, and myself included, I have a personal belief system that I want to influence uh, culture and decision making and policy and politics. Um, and and I understand that not everyone believes like I do. And so mm-hmm. it is. Um, I think as a Christian, and I love that you're even just so bold to say it, but like, I want everyone to be a Christian. Like my job here on earth, right. Is to, um, the great commission, right. To, to teach people about, um, the ways of Jesus and and the way he loved and the way he taught and the way he thought and how he treated people. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and we want everyone to be on our team, if you will, because right. we know the rewards that uh, that come from that, not only here in this life, but um, in the next life as well, if you will. Um, and so I can appreciate that. And I think that's maybe why this is such a challenging conversation, because like so many other topics, you know, I'm wearing my human rights for all born and preborn <laughs> shirt today. You've got people on the topic of abortion who have a personal, maybe Christian biblical belief in, you know, saving human life and, and not murdering babies. Um, but then they'll still in the same breath say, but that's not for me to say to somebody else what they can and can't do with their body. So I think just culturally, we've almost been, um, eroded maybe a little bit in our, as Christians to, because, because we live in a culture that is so tolerant focused, tolerance mm-hmm. focused, um, right. it makes it more challenging to stand, I think, on our Christian values, especially when it comes to policy. So I'd love to give you an example. Um, we've got a guy in 
District 10, which is Orlando running. Um, he's a pastor. His name's Willie Montague. Love him. Totally voting for him. That's my personal endorsement right there for you guys. Uh, but he gets a lot of backlash because he's a pastor. And how how dare a pastor, you know, run for office and think that he can bring God into politics? He, I, I see this all the time. Um, do you have any thoughts on on like an actual politician, somebody who's like running? on the truth of God's word. What does that, how does that make you feel? I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, I'm biased. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was listening to some of the, um, the current Supreme Court nomination, Kataji um, Brown-Jackson. She's going through those. Today's like her second day. It's, I think it goes through Thursday of this week. Um, but she was asked earlier today by Senator Lindsey Graham about her faith. And you could tell she was uncomfortable. She's like, um, I'm Protestant. He's like, okay. And what he was trying to do is he was trying to draw this, this connection with when Amy Coney Barrett went through her um, confirmation hearings and everything. And, and she was known to be like a, a devout, a devout Catholic, um, Protestant Catholics, you know, not the same thing, but Jesus nonetheless. So, yeah. And she was ridiculed because people were talking about or asking the question or, or I guess accusing her of being unable to separate her legal like analysis, her legal mind from her Christian faith, from her Catholic faith. And that was the same questions that were being asked today, raised today for Katanji, Katanji Brown Jackson, if she would be able to do, to, to do the same as a self-professed um, Protestant. So I would like to believe that people can separate the two. Um, but again, I'm, I'm biased to where, you know, I'm, I want the right from wrong. And especially like, I don't want to go, I guess, too far off, but like with the topic of, of abortion and saving lives, like I would want that. I would want everyone to have that, like that belief, yeah. whether they are a pastor running for, for political office or not. I, like I'm, I'm all for it. I don't. I hope he withstands whatever kind of persecution is coming his way. Yeah. Um, and and stands firm and, and doesn't and doesn't back down and just stays true to to his convictions, um, which are obviously be influenced by by God and Christ's word. So faith and culture are influencing politics. So we need to make sure the faith and the culture is comes correct, comes right to mm. influence our politics the way we we want this country to be shaped moving forward. Yeah. We're restored. Yes, restored. Exactly. Well, and I love that you're willing to admit your bias. I think that's another thing that uh, I learned pretty, uh, pretty well from people like Ben Shapiro, even like Dave Rubin, who is a conservative, but is not a Christian. Um, these people have essentially said like, I am biased and I'm willing to say that I'm biased. And I think um, not enough people say that even when it's true, because it sounds to me, you know, it sounds like, oh, you're picking sides. Yes. I'm picking sides. Like I, yeah, right. I, I am mean, a conservative. We're fighting for something, right? You have yeah. to pick a side when you're fighting for something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and we all have ingrained bias. So, I mean, even, even going the other way, you know, um, I think the challenging thing is that a lot of times people won't admit that they have a bias 
or they, um, they'll point out yours <laughs> without <laughs> looking at themselves. Right. Right. So, mm -hmm. but I love that you brought up the, um, the confirmation that's going on right now, uh, with the judges. Um, I think that perfectly leads us into maybe some more of these like current event conversations. So let's jump in. The all my favorite people podcast is proudly sponsored by peace, love t-shirts. Go to peacelovetshirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, The Controversy, and Ink Happy. Go to peacelovetshirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. I would love, because I haven't talked about it at all, talk about trans women in sports with you. Okay. Um, because I know it's a, it's a bit of a hot topic and, and, uh, you know, people feel very strongly one way or the other. Um, but I believe you and I probably agree in the fact that this is almost like a, I've seen it said this way and I, and I agree almost like an erasure of women. Like we, you've got, and I've noticed on your podcast too, you talked about feminism and the four kind of waves of feminism, um, I mean, you went way back. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I that was uh, that was probably like August of last year, maybe some, July. I don't even know. Go back and listen, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true, and it, and it and it um it it's relevant to this conversation in the sense that you know I've I've been pretty open about sharing my story and that I was a single mom at, at age of twenty, and part of that was me buying into the feminist lie at a young age that I could be with people and sleep around and like, it's cool and it's an empowering and like, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did, I bought into that feminist lie and, and granted my son is amazing and I'm so glad that I have him. Um, I chose life. Um, yeah. but there is something to be said for this, like weird, slippery slope that has now happened within the feminist movement where it went from empowering women to literally erasing women. Um, and so we see this with Leah, I believe, uh, mm -hmm. what's her last name? Thomas. Thomas. Okay. So Leah Thomas is this trans athlete who I believe he, I'm going to say he, you guys can get mad. Whoever's listening. That's not, doesn't like that. I'm sorry, but we're going to just call it like it is around here. Um, he, performed in swimming as a male athlete, I believe just last season. Is that correct? Do you know? Yeah. Three years on the university of Pennsylvania, um, men's swim team, and then transitioned and, uh, went over to the women's team for this, this current season that just wrapped up this, this past week. Yeah. And I think he was something like 400th was his like placement um, and now he's winning things. And yes. I mean, you can look with your own two eyes if you are not blinded by uh, rhetoric and see that he is just, it's not even the same. You're not even in the same category, right? Um, so yeah, what, I mean, he's, what are he's your six thoughts? Four, he's 6'4 to start. So yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, Leah, Leah Thomas was formerly, um, I believe his name was Will. Thomas, uh, but was a swimmer of the University of Pennsylvania men's team three years. Wasn't good, at least not good nationally, was ranked in the 400s. Transitioned over, um, started, I guess, hormone therapy and what have you, estrogen and what, what, whatever else, 
and then joined the women's team. And then once joined the women's team, started setting all of these school records, conference records for the Ivy League, um, I believe national records. And then the NCAA had an opportunity to change the rules and make them apply to this year, but decided not to. They're going to apply next year because they didn't want to uh, possibly disrupt schools and their teams um, with as far as competition goes by changing the rules in the middle of a season. So that's why Leah Thomas was able to compete last week in the national championships. And um, he did win the, I believe it was the 500 freestyle, won it by about a second and a half. I thought it was going to be more, but testament to, to the women competing against him, the biological women competing against him. Um, and I find it, I found it interesting because the season started last, last year. So it's, it's been going on for months and I can't understand the pressure, at least for the Pennsylvania university of Pennsylvania women's team that they were under to keep their mouth, their mouths shut. Um, because their school came out and supported Leah Thomas. Their conference came out and supported Leah Thomas. So last thing you want, if you've ever been a part of team sports is to be the one or be the few maybe who are against, let's say the rest of the rest of the team, in this case, the rest of the school and so on and so forth, because then you yourself will be ostracized. And then when the championship started last week, there's all these photos, finally some photos because, you know, they get medals and everything. They have a podium similar to the Olympics and, and all of that. And the photo that summarizes that this whole issue to me is when Leah Thomas won the 500 freestyle competition up on the first place podium, which is a little bit higher than second place, which is a little bit higher than third place. And I guess after the, after the ceremony, after the medals were given, there was this photo taken and it's Leah standing here on the first place one. And then next to, second is empty because second then to drop down to the third place podium to smile for a picture with the third, with the, um, the bronze medalist for, for that, that race, that competition, that event. And to me, that just encapsulates the whole, I guess everything that probably was said behind closed doors, but was, wasn't really said publicly that much by, by female athletes or at least female swimmers is that they aren't good with this. Whatever they may have said to the public, I don't think deep down, you know, in their soul, they, they were, they believed what they were saying because it is well documented. The, the physiological differences between a biological male and a biological female, like there, there is a reason why like God created men, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, like as a part of a role in as, as a man, um, Leah Thomas is six foot four that yes, there are women that are six foot four. Like I'm not denying that, but six foot four male swimmers, probably average, average height. Um, you know, so just like the difference in height alone that would make swimming through a pool is, you know, can be measured. Yeah. Even not even like figuring in the the muscle and everything else, but then the art counter argument is, yeah, well, they started like hormone therapies and so on and so forth. Well, there's data that still shows that even after treatments and bringing down like your testosterone levels in this case, that you are still at an advantage Absolutely. over biological females. And yeah, like to me, this, to me, there's so much short-sightedness. And when it comes to the feminist movement, it, like over its history, it's like in its fourth iteration. But to me, what's happened is that feminism and progressivism combined, and they have taken actually standing up for women, true women, biological women, 
and they have driven off the cliff. That's like the analogy that I use. Progressivism, and this is in a previous episode of mine, but to me, the fundamental flaw of progressivism is the fact that progress doesn't necessarily mean you're moving further down the road. It means you're improving something. And the progressive movement today is all about taking the next step forward, whether it's good or not. And the feminist movement to me has latched onto that. So instead of standing up for women, empowering women, improving the lives for women, advocating for them, getting the same rights and, and everything that they've already done before, you know, with voting and, and everything else and jobs and what have you. I mean, look at you, you're on a podcast, you're a woman. So, I mean, it's like breaking you know, glass like we're, ceilings we're, over here. Yeah, glass <laughs> ceilings, like, I mean, all this stuff, you know, like there's, there's, there's no difference between what you're doing and what I'm doing. I'm a male, you're a female, but latching on to this, this fundamental flaw of progressivism, they've just continued to move forward with this whole like inclusive mindset to the point now of where a biological man in like the most extreme feminist movement is accepted as a woman. And ultimately, who knows how long it's going to take. It could take decades. But eventually, biological women, especially in like, I feel like the, the field of competition and sports, that it's not going to exist. And what I'm advocating for is keep the men's women's sports as it is now but then you need to have a separate transgender league. That way, those who are transgender females, which is male to female, and transgender males, which is female to male, they can compete. Like Basically, they're before four divisions, so to speak. Because in the future, eventually, these, these girls are not going to want to compete because they know they, they can't compete. And I mean, we're talking about Leah Thomas, who was like, not even an average male swimmer and still beating the female swimmers, which is nothing against the biological female swimmers. It's just, that's how like our biology and men were designed. Like that's, that's how vast the difference can be. And one thing I mentioned in my latest podcast episode about this was the fact that there was this article I read, there was like the top, not the top, but just the 30 athletes that have come out in college, uh, 30 transgender athletes that have come out in college. And what I noticed Every instance where it was a female transitioning to a male, they they did not compete against the males. In every instance where it was a male transitioning to a female, they either did compete and dominated, or they like waited until their last year basically of eligibility and they were like, oh yeah, like a I'm a girl, you know, whatever. So you don't see any top male athletes today, like in professional sports, being like a transgender female athlete and classifying themselves as a girl. Because you, I know, I say I know, that is when the feminists would finally speak. They would finally start chirping. They'd get on the mountaintops, the rooftops, and start yelling like, hey, that's not fair. Because um, if you had LeBron James, six foot eight, coming through, and playing basketball in the WNBA, like that's that's not fair. If mm-hmm. you had a seven foot center going up against girls that maximum height, maybe six five in the WNBA playing the center, that's not fair. Just height alone, they would dominate. So it's like all this silliness, and I don't know why 
why more and more people aren't speaking up about this because there's only 60% of people that think that this is unfair, mm. which to me was shocking. That means 40% of Americans, at least in the poll that I read, believe that it is okay for a transgender female to compete against biological females. 40%. We're just a small 10% more and we're at, we're at 50-50. And I just, I just think it's laughable because, I mean, you can see it with your own eyes, as you said. If you use your two eyes, even if you have one eye, I mean, you can see the difference. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's just, to me, a, a combination of progressivism, the, the flaw of progressivism just got thrown into the feminist movement and they felt like they always had to be changing, but they weren't changing for the better. They just were trying to move themselves farther down the road. Yeah. Progressivism is this kind of poison the well uh, mentality, really. I mean, it, everything it touches, I think Trump crap. even said it best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really does. It really does. Um, and, and while this is, uh, you know, become, a um, a visible conversation because of this instance, I think mm-hmm. it's also important to talk about like, you know, we've been kind of fighting this bill here or, I should say we've been um, promoting this bill and there's a lot of people fighting it here in Florida that talks about um, introducing gender as a social construct and gender uh, fluidity, if you will, to five, six, seven, and eight-year-old kids. Um, And obviously we just had this bill passed here in Florida where um, Ron DeSantis has basically said, no, that's not going to happen in Florida. Um, and he's hopefully going to sign it here, uh, any day, but, you know, on a, on more of a personal, like home, home court level, if you will, um, this is something that goes beyond your college campuses and, and people just being tolerant of each other and just be nice to everyone and accept them for who they are. Yes, you should be kind to people. Yes, you should accept people um, and and treat them with dignity and respect no matter what. Mm -hmm. But at some point there has to be like the sane, uh, just rational people are, we need you to stand up. (laughs) We need to all be speaking about how just, honestly incredibly ridiculous it is that people want to teach five six seven and eight year olds that they can pick their gender um Mm -hmm. or that there's something other than man and woman and that was part of kind of my rant over the weekend was you know your number 40 percent is quite scary if if i'm because i'm hearing that for the first time And to me, what that says is there is a section even in our own Christian community um, that people that would profess to know God that would say, no, when it says in Genesis, he created them man and woman, maybe there's like some missing context there. No, there's no missing context, man (laughs) and woman, period. And, and it's, it's actually crazy that we like that this is even something that is debatable at this point Mm -hmm. do you agree (laughs) oh yeah it's intellectual dishonesty um it's intellectual dishonesty it's which is like knowing something is false but you're advocate but you're telling you're speaking it and saying that it is truth Mm -hmm. um 
and to me, I guess there's some there's some type of an agenda, or maybe people are just trying to appease everybody. You know, they don't want to hurt any hurt any feelings or anything like that, and and they don't see any harm in it because they're so short sighted. But like, this isn't going to limit to sports. I mean, we've already seen it, and like you just mentioned, in schools for children coming up. My kids are, my two boys are very young. They're not even in elementary. They're not even school age kids yet. So I can't imagine what's going to be taking place here in the next like three to four years for them. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it's going to, it's permeating school, it's permeating sports, it's going to permeate if it hasn't already really gotten into the corporate world, um, you're gonna, you know, because there's all this diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, departments and everything, and what's going to start to happen, I believe, is, and I mean, this is still small scale, because I think there's only, like, there's 1.5 million transgender people within the United States, um, out of like 335 million, so small, but but not insignificant. But like going into the future, I mean, we're talking about people who could, women who could be um, skipped over for promotions and a transgender female, so a male who's now a, uh, identifies as a female, get a job. Are we going to be upset about that? Is someone finally going to be upset about that? You, we just joked, you know, but accurately about like the glass ceiling and all these things being punched is is there the glass ceiling then going to then going to be an issue and be like oh my gosh you know these people are stealing jobs and everything from us so that's Rachel Levine 100% <laughs> like that is yeah. immediately what pops in my mind is like you are you are uplifting this person who has this government role and you're calling him woman of the year this is this is a problem this is like what what about all the women that have worked tirelessly for decades to get into these positions. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And the mindset is, oh, this isn't anything against women. We're elevating the, we're elevating transgenders. Okay. Well, so I'm they, a woman and I'm telling you there's a problem with this. Yeah, so, <laughs> they see it, so they see it like as it's seen as like a moral good, you know, they're promoting someone who then on the, on like the totem pole of, of least privileged. Yes now needs to be elevated of course so that to to them those who advocate for this and support um trans, transgender females and transgender males and what have you they see it as a moral good by lifting them up i guess one as you know minorities have been lifted up um how women have been lifted up and so on and so forth all these different examples over over the history of our country so that i guess outweighs you know, it's it's the whole least privileged. Whoever's the least mm. privileged needs the most the most help. So well, and they say like you know, progressivism kind of like eats itself, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the perfect that's the perfect way to say it is like, you know, we raised up women's rights, but now because trans people are more of a um, underserved community, if you will, let's mm -hmm. let's raise them up now, but. Yep. It's just and it, shoot, and it shoots the other ones in the foot, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It is it is bizarre. And you know, circling back to the comment I made towards the beginning about Ben Shapiro, like he was really the first person to kind of say, like, watch the college campuses, what you see happening on college campuses in regards to all this uh, all these ideologies, these Marxist ideologies, um, mm -hmm. and just um you know, just all the things that, that you're seeing there, anti-free speech and safe spaces and all of that. I remember thinking like, that's crazy. Like, that's weird that that's happening there. 
I doubt that that would permeate culture. And yet here we are just like five years later and it has fully permeated our culture and um, it has really become something that, like I said, it seems almost ridiculous that we like, that this is a debate, that this is something that we're even spending energy, like having to defend the fact that babies are born boys or girls. Now you're always going to have the person who, because I see it in every thread ever. It's like, what about intersex people? Right. You always, you'll always see that. And, and I think an important thing to know when, especially as Christians, as we're talking about this topic is we're not saying that these people don't matter. We're not saying that Jesus doesn't love them. He absolutely does. Um, But to your point that you made earlier, yes, my, my Christianity is going to inform my political views. And so I want everyone to love God and to know God and to love and to, you know, have a relationship with Christ. So it is unloving. And I think we've been talking about this at church is unloving to, um, to allow someone who is maybe blind to the truth or living in a sinful manner is actually Mm -hmm. unloving to allow that to continue. It's, it is, it doesn't feel good, but it is more loving to be truthful and to share with them what God's kind of standards are, then allow them to just live in that place where the culture has completely taken over their, their logical thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, we're supposed to love, love others well. Right. And like you were just saying, um, speaking truth to people. And we hear the term a lot, especially in politics, like speaking truth to power, um, basically speaking truth to someone who has more power over you, I guess, is, is the way it, it kind of plays out. But yeah, like we're not doing, we're not helping anyone if, if they're, if we're allowing people to walk around and, and actually deny, like in this case, like a baby's being born male, female, you know, X, X chromosomes, X, Y chromosomes, and act like that doesn't exist. <laughs> What happened I mean, to believe like, science, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I mean, that's yeah. I mean, it's it's bad, and it and it goes and it permeates a lot of a lot of different things. That like logic is gone, reasoning is gone. Um, it's I guess everyone just tries to shape everything to where it's going to fit, however they believe, and mm-hmm. they don't care the effects of that, like the down the line, or they don't care if that makes something that is is factual, you know, non-factual basically, like untruthful, like oh yeah, I'm just going to just going to change because of how I feel. Mm-hmm. Well, emotions aren't always right. So, can we please like deal in in facts and in everything else? Um one thing I so this is like a little a little thing for me here and and my wife teases me about this or doesn't like it because gender today is used to describe your sex, male or female, correct, and your gender, which is is different. Gender is like sociological term, but it's used to like very popular gender reveals. They shouldn't be gender reveals; they should be sex reveals. But mm-hmm. I guess you can't say I'm having a sex reveal because <laughs> then people might think the wrong things. Gonna Everyone's going to show up, no. <laughs> <laughs> right? So. But I think like it's something just as to me, it's something just as small as that. Like we have been, I guess, maybe 
a little too casual as a society and allow terms to be used for things that they don't accurately describe. Yeah. So people are like, yeah, you can't define your gender. Well, what, when you say gender, you're really talking about sex. And yes, you actually can. Like we know that you're a boy or a girl. And yes, there's like a small, I don't even think it's a half a percent of someone yeah. who is born with both like reproductive organs or develops them later in life. I think when they're around like a school age child or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's just so much intellectual dishonesty and it seems to be, it's, it's just because people want to feel good about, I guess, whatever they believe in, they want to feel like they're in the right. And if you can get enough people to join your movement, so to speak, then people, I think, don't want confrontation. So they're just going to go along and get along. And then a lot of these things have just spun out of control. Absolutely. And like the the whole thing, just like conflating of words and making up new definitions for words that have been around forever. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's definitely part of the strategy <laughs> of progressivism um, to kind of slowly erode away what we've come to know as truth. Um, and I don't know if you've read 1984 um, or in middle, read it recently in middle school. Okay. Um, so, so it's, it's not fresh in my mind, but I, I have read it. Yeah. I read it again, like maybe a year or two ago. And <clears throat> I think everyone should read it and you'll hate it. Like it's depressing because it, at least for me, it was, it was one of those things where I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is the world we're living in actually yeah. where words like the idea of double speak, the idea of look at it with your own two eyes, but say that it's something else that is all very Orwellian. And it's, it's mm -hmm. very like my 18 year old is so over me, like, um, preparing him for college, if you will. And, uh, but, uh. but at the same time, like we can't be naive to, to think that some of these, uh, just progressive ideals are not, they're not just going to go away. Like it, it's going to take a bit of a fight from, from the, like I said, the um, rational conservatives who, and, and I really do think, you know, especially as Christians, God is raising up so many bold Christians right now um, who, who have no problem speaking um, the truth of the word of God to the culture. And I'm so appreciative of that. And so I think that might actually be a perfect way to wrap this up, um, Brian. Mm -hmm. And I think people will, I really do. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, Cause I, I know that a lot of you are into these conversations and into politics and you're, you're very much aware of what's going on in the world. And um, so I'll let Brian tell you guys where you can find his podcast, where you can follow him on social media um, and if you want to hear more of these like nitty gritty kind of current event type conversations, he's definitely your go-to guy. So um, Brian, thank you again and tell everyone where they can, uh, where they can find you. Sure. Well, thank you for having me again. And yes, you can find me. Instagram is the primary platform that I use for the podcast. Uh, there's at counter underscore thought. That's the official podcast uh, account on Instagram. And then my personal Counterthought account is on Instagram is at Counterthought CEO. Um, and just if you search for the podcast, you can search Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, basically any platform that you may use for your, your podcast listening. Recently switched over to video as well. So I'm on YouTube and Rumble. 
And when you're searching for the podcast, like on a podcast app, just look for this symbol here. How convenient. So. <laughs> yes. I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks, it is all Brian. About the, it's all about the brand. That's all right. That's right. Thank you again for your time. I super appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you at church this week. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel and hit the little notification bell so you know every time I post something new. Of course, check out Peace Love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of your All My Favorite People merch. And I'd love it if you also left me a review. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time. I will make your name famous from now on so people will praise you forever and ever. Psalm 45, 17. If you liked today's episode and want more info, check out lifejesusstyle.com and hashtag lifejesusstyle on social media.